0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. As always, it's a pleasure to have you. And a big shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles, Subtle Solution Media, helping to make this podcast possible. I'm excited. We have a great episode in store for you guys today. But of course, first have to introduce our guest, Catherine Canty, joining us. And uh, Catherine, it's a pleasure to have you. And it's also a pleasure to speak to somebody else in South Carolina
1: kind of fun. I know. I was like, oh, he's in South Carolina. We got to make this happen. Um, Ted, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Absolutely. And I know the listeners uh, first want to get introduced to who you are, what you do, and then we can hop into the subject matter. But I'd love to give you that opportunity really quick.
1: Well, thank you. Um, yeah. So I've spent the bulk of my life in South Carolina, traveled around a little bit when I was younger. And um, for the for the most part here, um, just as we mentioned earlier, went to school at Carolina. Um down in South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina. And um, from there, got out, got into banking, spent 20 years uh, traveling the country. About 60% of my time was on the road helping other people grow their business and um, did that through corporate banking. And just about a year and a half ago, I went out on my own. And um, prior to that, made some decisions and did some research and certifications to get into leadership coaching. And so, as I transitioned out of corporate America, I'm able to share all these lessons learned that I had as I worked within this corporate environment. And as I transition out into leadership coaching um, this past year, we've had incredible results. I've had about 20 clients that I've worked with, and they've all created measurable change. And as a banker, you know, a number driven, result oriented person, I know you're very results oriented, I can tell. And um, results matter. So how do you measure if somebody improved or not? And there's a process tied in with this particular style of coaching, where the stakeholders and their peers have to acknowledge that you've improved. And we've had 100% success that the peers have seen improvement with these leaders. So um, it's been just a gift to be able to take real life past experience and be able to work with these future leaders and um, up and coming talent within companies and be able to say, Hey, I've been there and here's some suggestions and let's talk through what, what you want to do going forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, that must've been an amazing journey kind of going from, from where you started to now pouring into others, being on your own. And I know a lot of people, especially a lot of our listeners, Probably have that side hustle in mind. And I think uh, there's been a trend recently where everyone's now noticing hey, multiple streams of income, multiple streams of income. So we're in that side hustle culture, you know, the gig economy culture. And a lot of people uh, never actually turn that corner and make the side hustle the main thing. They kind of stay tied to whatever their corporate job might be. Being someone who's been able to navigate, through the corporate environment, work your way up through the corporate ladder, and then eventually, um, I don't want to say escape, but go out on your own per se. Um, what was the, I guess, the strategy and the plan like going from the bottom up to the top and then making that exit? I'd be interested to know how that kind of conspired over the years.
1: So I was talking with somebody earlier today, and you know, as you reflect on it, you begin to remember a lot of this the stuff that is day to day that you really, you're thinking, oh, that's not going to matter in the long term. But you go back and you reflect on these defining conversations that we've all had. And just a few minutes in one person's day, you can have a comment and it just is going to change everything. Um, to show how far back I, I go, I started as a teller at Nations Bank 20 plus years ago. So when I started in banking, it was just working in a teller line, counting cash for a convenience store. And um, there's tons of stories there. And I've had a couple jobs coming out of college. Some of them didn't work out. And, you know, my first job out of college, you know, I, I don't tell many people this, but it's been so long. I feel like it's okay. But I got fired from my first job out of college. It was a legit corporate job. And I couldn't pass a, a series test to be able to stay. So, um, you know, you, you have these decisions, but then when you look back on it, it wasn't a good fit for me at the time. It didn't, I didn't realize it at the time. And um, I'm kind of thankful that it worked out the way it did, even though at the time it was painful. Um, another conversation I was sharing with somebody earlier today was, you know, I spent 12 years at one particular bank and it was an incredible opportunity. You know, if you worked hard and you could influence and teach and, and navigate this this political atmosphere, you um, I was able to get promoted every 18 to 24 months. And so I was the youngest vice president that they ever had. I know it upset a lot of the guys that were downstairs because they kept dibs on that kind of stuff. So um, just, you know, hearing, hearing them give me a hard time about it. And um, I remember being about 10 years into that, to that position that just kept growing and adding. And I looked to my mentor, my sponsor. So a mentor, somebody you can bounce ideas with a sponsor is what, what women need more in the workplace and the sponsor is somebody who's got your back when that door shut and HR is trying to plan who's going to be the future leader in this company. And a lot of times it's the men that have the sponsors and it's not always the women. So I'll throw that out there because I think it's really important that we know the two in the workplace. And so my sponsor and mentor, we went out to lunch like we normally do, just get out of the office, change of scenery And um, I said, I'm ready for the next assignment. You know, it's been about 18 months. I got this one down. Let's let's what are we going to do next? Like, let's conquer the world. And he looked at me and I remember he pulled over to get some gas. He was like, I'll be honest with you. Like you're this is it. If you want more, you're going to have to leave. You've got to go find something else. I've taught you everything that I know in my 40 years in banking. And this this is it. If you want to do this, you're going to have to make a move and, and leave the company and he says you can't ever repeat that because I'll have to deny it but he respected me he helped me grow he opened up doors that I never would have had open before and he just very honestly told me that and um, so you just have these small moments in life that that kind of change this path and I, I kind of joke you know it, it's you think you're gonna go down this path on the left. And all of a sudden this right turn shows up and it's not bad. It's different and it all works out. So you kind of have to go with the flow because you don't know what's coming out at the end of, you know, at the end of this rain, what's going to happen. So um, those are just a couple of quick examples of transitioning and things that pop up along the way.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And I love that you, you kind of specify the difference between a sponsor and a mentor. Cause I don't even think I've really ever heard the whole um, concept of a sponsor, someone who actually has your back on the higher level. And yeah, I think that it's definitely something that women need in the workplace. Cause you need someone at, to, to go at bat for you. Right. And open those doors along the way. Um, it's an interesting concept. I've heard a lot of people kind of talk about with trying to escape. The corporate world, right? Trying to go out on their own. It's almost almost a negative connotation towards the nine to five that they're working. Kind of looking at your story, it seems as though your way out was by getting deeper into the corporate ladder or higher up in the corporate ladder and kind of leaning into these systems that are successful, leaning in and helping businesses become successful. Your, I mean, your track record of helping other businesses shows, hey, I can probably do this on my own. I'd love to for you to talk about that and maybe debunk the myth for some of our listeners who might think you know, you know the corporate world is the enemy per se, because I think there's a lot of value that can come from that experience.
1: Gosh, the network that you can build within your corporate environment is priceless. Um, I've told many people you need to lead with value. Don't lead with a want. And if you can truly just be yourself, I know that just sounds so incredibly easy, but just be who you are. And I was reading an article um, actually this morning, and it talked about the best feedback an executive ever got. It was too late when they got the feedback because they were transitioning out of that role and they were moving into another company. So the question that they asked to there any of the leaders that would that would answer was, "What's one thing I could do?" what is one thing I could have done when I came in um, at the beginning that could have made this transition easier because she was an outsider that came in. And she said, gosh, I wish I'd asked that stuff earlier. And I remember getting feedback when I left corporate America. um, Some of the feedback that I received from these trusted CEOs were, we liked you best when you were just you and you just showed up and you were authentically who you are and you weren't trying to be too proper in every meeting, but you kind of just loosened up a little bit and had fun with us. And we got to see a glimpse of what you could be um, on that other side. So um, this transition, you know, you want to take advantage of this network that you create. Um, when I left corporate, the people that were rehiring me were my corporate network folks that that I stayed in touch with that I continued to hopefully provide value to. And I'd continue to reach out to them and just proactively share articles that I thought would be helpful, snippets, um, stats, anything that I thought could help make their job easier and understand where their struggles and their pain points are. And then just offer help and know that not everybody wants help or needs help at this particular time. But just being steady and proactive and consistent and authentic and showing up and not taking it personal. And when they're ready, they'll call you and and you can explore next steps then. But corporate, it builds incredible opportunities. Um, You can travel. You can see, you know, everybody joked, oh, you're going to X, Y, Z. You're going to, you know, have these great experiences in the city and I thought, well, they're not exactly in the city. I'm looking at a Marriott and I'm looking at an airport, but, um, you know, meeting rooms. And there's always a good dinner and you get to network with people and get to hear what their stories are and what their home life is like. And um, it's a great opportunity to bond with people and um, and just be able to learn from other people in in the environment. So corporate, you know, there's lots of wonderful things that, that it brings to the table and then, you know, if the time's right for you, start planning and and try to figure out where you want to go next and what makes you happy. And um, I started doing that probably two years before I left corporate.
0: Nice. And that actually leads perfectly into the question of, you know, how long it takes to make that exit. And even, I mean, I think before the exit even becomes a thought or even becomes a conversation, there's a lot of work that goes in. And you mentioned the 20 plus years in banking that you put in before, kind of getting to where you are now. And I imagine it's obviously the 20 plus years takes a lot of patience along the way. And, and I, I know you have in your bio, you're mentioning something about small wins to mm-hmm. kind of put big changes. I guess, how do those small wins keep you plugged in when you're waiting so long for, for something along the way? So maybe the two years it took when you started planning your exit to the actual day you were able to walk away. What was it like kind of keeping that energy and keeping that focus throughout those two years?
1: There's there's good days and there's bad days, just like with everything else. Um, I like to have a lot of stuff going on at one time. It just keeps me focused because I know I can give off a lot of energy to one project But if I give that energy to that project 24-7, those people are are going to shoot me. So if I can have multiple projects going on, like I know I had the corporate thing going, I probably, if I had to guess back then, I probably had a house or two that we were trying to flip, you know, in our spare time. And then I'm working with a coach um, who helped me navigate what to do. And so working with her, she would then break it down to, you know, you need to go run out and get some headshots at lunch. Um, you need to go ahead and set up a, a Squarespace page to get your website going. Um, you need to go ahead and get some testimonials done and and improve your LinkedIn page. And so, like, there's all these little projects and creating small wins and celebrating those wins along the way really can have a huge impact on on your attitude and and the appreciation for how far you've come. Um, even in this past year, I started reflecting back on what I was able to accomplish working with other people. And when you think back, oh gosh, 2020, that was a tough year. But then I started looking at my calendar and all the meetings and people that I met, new people and just experiences. And I thought, wow, that was a lot to pack into just one year. And I'm just starting out again. So for right now, it feels like I'm just running. I'm not getting anywhere, even though I've got, you know, I've got incredible clients, but you know, everybody's dreaming to do more and have a bigger impact And when you take time to reflect upon these small things that you do every week that then compound and create results, that's that's gorgeous to be able just to sit there and be with it and realize it and appreciate it. So um, small wins are what keeps me alive.
0: Yeah. Where do you get the energy from?
1: I have spouts of energy, so I'm, I'm starting to try to better understand my work um ins and ins and outs as far as like focus. And that's a lot of reflecting and gosh, that takes a while to figure out. At least it's taken me a while to figure out the best hours of the day for me to work. And when you go out and work for yourself, you've got to figure out what days are you going to work? How long are you going to work? When are you going to disconnect? When are you going to put the phone down and just ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist. And um, I think there's a, a serious addiction problem with technology being plugged in. But when, when I can unplug, it's hard in the beginning, but when you can just let it go, new ideas come to you. So you've got to, for me, I've got to give the intensity while I can. And then I've got to unplug and get over that. I got to check the phone one more time. I got to get over that because when I can have the quiet, That's where the new stuff comes from and the insights. And I'm like, oh, I forgot I need to call so-and-so or, oh, this article would be awesome. But I would never have sat down to read this article if I was scrolling the Internet. So it's trying to figure out what your balance is and then making sure that you, you keep that schedule.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how sometimes we we could spend so long working on a problem and then stepping away from the problem is how we find the solution. And yeah. it's, I guess we're too close. And I've said this this term over and over again on the podcast. When, you, when you're among the trees, you can't really see the forest, right? Because you're too close to it. So sometimes we need to back away before we can get the whole entire picture. Uh, I'd love to hear you talk about uh, the benefits of listening first. Uh, I, I also saw that you mentioned you're kind of an introvert, So you you believe in listening before speaking. What are some of the benefits that can come if people start implementing that in their everyday lives, whether it be in the corporate world, whether it be in business as they're trying to grow their side hustles and their main business? How can listening first pay dividends in the long run for them?
1: If you're willing to do it, listening is pretty amazing. You can learn so much incredible information just by listening to what's going on around you. One example, when I started with one of the banks um, about eight years ago, I was the second female 100 years hired for this position to go out and and see our customers. And we only had 19 customers at the time. And I was responsible for three of these accounts. And I don't have an agricultural background. Um, I don't, I didn't fit their their normal demographics. And they took a chance and hired me. I guess they were looking for something new and within 90 days, I had a personal review from the clients, and so I had three of our 19 customers that I was assigned to. I was able to um, go out and meet with them, sit in their boardroom, make sure they have their big line of credit, make sure they've got all their technology working, and when I went out there, I just wanted to learn about their business. I wanted to learn what was, you know, everybody says, what keeps you up at night? What are your pain points? What do you struggle with? And all I did was go on just visits to listen. And at the end of the 90 days, I didn't know where I was getting a review at the end of the 90 days. My manager came in, closed the door of my office, started laughing. I thought, oh God, you know, this is going to be bad. And he said, I don't know how you did it. I said, okay, well, this sounds good. This is not going the right direction. And he said, it took me 10 years or it's taken me, you know, it takes people years to figure this out, but you got to a scale of 1 to 5. 3, if I can get a 3, I get to keep my job. 5, nobody gets fives. And he said it took me about 10 years, but I got a 5 out of 5 for all my clients. You've done it within 90 days and you don't know anything about agriculture and these people and I don't know how you did it. So, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And he just start laughing. And if I have to think about how I did that, it was the listening. And it was just sitting there and showing up and paying attention, taking notes. Following back up with people. Um, I talk about the two, two, two process a lot, you know, follow up with somebody two days after you meet with them and just say, thank you and reiterate what you talked about. And um, after two days and follow back up at two weeks, just give them a status update. Just talk about how you've thought about what you shared or changes that you made as, as an impact. Um, it, just something in there. And then again, follow up at two, two months. And so two days, two weeks and two months, and in case you hadn't noticed, a lot happens around this place in two months in this world. So um, people might need your services. Things might have changed within two months. And if you can lead with value and not lead with, I want something, people want to listen and they want to support you. So listening is huge and having a strategy on how to, to follow back up with people is just as important.
0: Nice. I mean I think I'm going to have to implement that 222 two, two myself and I know some of the listeners I hope our listeners are taking notes to this because um I think you just dropped some very valuable information for anybody that whether they're in sales whether they're trying to grow their business, if they're working with clients. Uh, these are things that are that are universal to whatever they might be working on. Um, you, you mentioned technology a few times and also strategy. And that kind of leads into, as we're in the second half of this podcast now, um, I want to talk about the strategy of you actually leaving and, and going on your own. What was that strategy like? I, I know you mentioned it was two years and, and you kind of had that plan in place and you mentioned, hey, you have to plan it. What did that plan look like and how did it look when you finally stepped away?
1: Great question. So um, I'm a very much calculated person. Um, I want to evaluate the risk and what the impact's going to be, et cetera. And I had no idea where I was going to start. I just knew that I I appreciate everything that corporate America has provided me. It's been incredible. I love it. All the experiences, but I felt like there was just more for me to offer and I wasn't sure what that meant. So it started with a lot of conversations with my husband and I think I drove him half crazy and he said, you got to go find somebody else to talk to about this. And um, so I ended up finding a coach and She's helped a lot of people successfully leave corporate America and transition into their own careers and their own business and entrepreneurism and solopreneurism. And so when I started talking with her, she said, you've got to book, at least six sessions with me. I was like, oh, that's a commitment. I don't know if I'm in for that because I don't even know if I like you. <laughs> and she said, it's going to get real muddy before it gets any better. I said, well, that's scary. I don't know if I've got this courage to be able to come in and visit with you every couple of weeks. And you're going to tell me I'm about to get more confused before I can get clarity. And sure enough, around visit three or four, I mean, it's just muddy and I don't know what I'm going to do, but all I know is I'm going to leave, but I don't have a plan and I don't know how I'm going to get paid, but this is all going to be fine. So she gave me a couple books to read. And um, over this process and also gave me a few other things to start working on. Um, Also gave me some advice, you know, go take a week off from work and go practice what you want to do. And that was something that I did when I got closer to the actual date. And I went out, took a week of vacation from corporate America, and I did what I wanted to do when I got out. And I practiced this new world for me. And when I came back at the end of the week, I'm like, "This was the best week ever! I loved it. I met people. I went to lunch. I traveled a little bit. Um, like it. It just really sealed the deal." So meanwhile, my husband's like, "Well, that backfired. I didn't think she was going to like it that much." So um, I also reached out and listened to a lot of podcasts and read a lot of books, and I reached out to people that I just felt like a connection with and applied to go work with Marshall Goldsmith in New York. And he selected 50 people. And I went up there and worked with him and became one of his New York 50. From there, I really liked the people that came in from all over the world for that particular event. So I said, well, I like what he's done. I've used his books for my own career successfully for the past 20 years. I'm going to get certified as a team team and an individual stakeholder center coach because not only can I bring like real world experience, but I've got, you know, his, his background and I can like merge these two worlds together and create my own. And so I went up there, I got certified, met some more incredible people. And so this, like all these little tiny, small wins, I don't know where it's going to take me. I think I know where it's going to take me, but it just keeps growing and keeps compounding. And then my coach ended up saying, well, you're going to need a website. You've got to have an email. Well, first it says you get, she says you got to have an email address and it can't be Gmail. And I was like, that means I got to like get legit here. And so she walks me through and like a small success is just setting up an email account that doesn't say add Gmail at the end. Um, Another one was just setting up the domain uh, for a website. And for me, I've got a bit of a creative background. So for me, it was just an outlet for me to kind of dabble with website design. And I also got to leverage all that business development and books and speakers and all that experience that I had to grow other people's business. So I used that and I brought it in. So all these were just all these small opportunities that, that came about that allowed me to eventually say um, June 30th is going to be my last day. And then I knew I was going to give my employer um, a good six to four to six weeks. And I, you know, and if they said it's been fun, but you've got to go, that's fine too. Like, I'm okay with that. And, you know, you got to come to come to terms with that. Like they're going to be okay without you. They were fine without you before and they'll be fine after. And just know that it's nothing personal. It's just work. And they're doing what they got to do to keep their business going. So I cleaned, you know, the files. I got rid of all the the junk that, you know, nobody needs to look at the napkins in the drawers, you know, just all that junk that you got building up and um, organized everything did like a, a customer memo on each one of my customers. At that point, I had five or six and I was like, here are all the big pain points. Here's what's going on. This is what's most important. Here's what's coming up. Here's what my last visit was like. And so I had that like a cover page on each folder way before I even went in there and told them, because I mean, I just felt like I owed them that they had given me a lot of opportunity and I'm forever grateful. And I think to return this stuff back to them in that manner and not burn bridges is really important. And so, you know, it's kind of six months, you start thinking about it, you start making some notes, you start forecasting where you think things are going to go here because you want to leave it right. And um, so then I ended up meeting with my manager and letting them know that, you know, I I've, I've just would like to continue to grow in a new way. And I feel like this is the best outlet for me. I'll be happy to stay here for as long as you need me to. Um, ideally, June 30th will be my last day. And anything I can do to help support the transition, I'll be more than glad to help. Yeah. And just left it at that. And they said, OK, we appreciate it. And, yeah. That's
0: it. <laughs> well, my it's favorite working. thing about that is—is is, I mean, hey, you, you know, you, you had your exit planned out, but the main thing is—is is, you know, the the job is not the enemy, right? It, they're not the enemy. They're actually there providing you with the opportunity mm-hmm. to make a living while you're working on what your passion would be. So, if anything, they're they're facilitating what it is you're going for. And the the fact of continued education, um, the books that you were reading, the courses you were going through and, and really implementing what you wanted to do before you actually left and do it. I don't want that to fall on deaf ears. I want to make sure I reiterate that for the listeners because, you know, the continued education is key. When you're talking about going into business for yourself, you don't have a manager To tell you what to do next you don't have a boss that's going to guide you into hey this is what needs to be done you need to be able to address the weaknesses in your business when you're going to get revenue what your sales projections are going to be expenses you're going to have to balance the checkbook and you're going to have to do the things that you don't want to do and before you know what to expect you're going to want to do the homework and do the research and and the fact that you have that continued education along the way is is key For the listeners to kind of pick up on. Uh, I know we're coming up on the end of the podcast. I'd love to talk about kind of the things you've been able to do since you've been on your own. One of the things that I've seen, um, a 12.1 million dollar public-private partnership, and and you're kind of expanding broadband in in rural areas, correct?
1: Yeah, so uh, for the past seven years prior to me leaving, um, I traveled the country and got to see incredible rural communities all over the United States. So there are amazing people in these small towns and small cities that are providing food and fiber and resources to us. And I have a great respect for the farmers and the generations and the hard work that they put in um, in order for us not to be hangry day in and day out. So um, as I go out into these rural communities, I remember that we're building some beautiful technology at the bank at the time. And let's just, it's like an online loan application for the farmers. Not a big deal. You and I were like, yeah, that's, I mean, what's the big deal with that? Mm-hmm. So I get in the pickup truck. I go right around with some very important loan officers. We go out to some big loan operations and I'm just talking with them and listening. And I said, so we're building this and this is what's coming down. This is how it's going to work. He's like, well, that sounds great, but I can't use it. I said, what do you mean you can't use it? We need you to take loan applications when you're out talking to the farmers. They said, yeah, well, I can't do that. I have to write everything down. And then I go back to my office at the end of the day, around six or seven. And then I key everything in there. I was like, well, that's the whole point. You're losing efficiency here. He said, you're not listening to what I have to say. I'm like, okay, clearly I'm missing something. He says, we don't have Internet in rural communities. Oh. So if we want to be able to take a loan application, we have to handwrite it, go back to our house where we may have internet or go back to the office, which is in a whole different direction where we should have internet and and be able to key in an application that way. So when you start thinking about this stuff, opportunities that that we take for granted living in these more metro areas, they're not reliable um, and consistent throughout the rest of the country. and. And even the world. I've been talking with people all over, and and this is not just a United States problem, it's all over. And the opportunities that are coming um, to those of us that have the reliable broadband and the resources to pay for it are going to continue to help us grow and improve ourselves, but we've got to keep the other folks in mind. And so, as a result, um, um, the USDA Department of Agriculture actually put out $600 million last year for rural communities to apply for grants and grant loan combinations. Um, i reached out to an individual who's in South Carolina. And I said, I need you to map this county that I live in. And he said, no problem. So he, you know, just, you know, that's like one of my little projects over here. I'm just going to see how this map shows up. So that's when one, he took my phone call. When two, if he brings me a map, that's pretty awesome. So he's like, yeah, you got big problems over there. You don't have a lot of broadband. I'm like, well, yeah. Thanks. Do you have proof? He said, yeah, it's in this map. I'm like, perfect. So I said, now what do we do? He said, well, you can apply for a grant, but um, we're going to have to get some people together. I said, all right. So long story short, I pulled together a meeting at um, within our community and it's um, the school district, the medical community, the higher education, the workforce, and the agriculture. And we all come together and ask a simple question. Do we need reliable internet for our future? So to build consensus, you need to set a pretty easy question out there. And and fortunately, they all said, yes, that impacts everything that we're doing. So from there, we needed people to chip in to be able to up this mapping to a professional grade map. Um, And I've never seen government officials crawl over a table and fight to write a check because they knew this was going to be a win. So they're all chipping in. And I'm like, this is amazing. They never have money, but they got money for this. So they all chip in, we get the map, and now we've got to provide find the provider that's eligible for the grant. So not all broadband providers are eligible for this particular grant. We found the one that's eligible. I called them. I said, I know you don't know me, but I have a a provider-friendly community. There's a grant opportunity out here. We want to meet with you and and see if this is a good fit. So I go to this small town where they're headquartered bring this mapping expert with me and the two of us sit down with the CEO of this broadband company and explain that we have an opportunity that we want to be able to help. We know you're going to have to hire outside consultants. It's going to be a big investment for your broadband company. However, we have a community that will subscribe if you can get this to us. So we are one of three communities in South Carolina that received the federal funding. And I was told by someone near and dear that to get a federal grant is like catching a unicorn. So we can go ahead and joke that we catch unicorns over here. So we got the federal grant. Um, We were one of three to receive it. And we were the only ones in the state to get the pure grant. So the other ones were able to get a loan grant combination. And that was recently announced in February of 2020. 2020. And it's going to result in a total of $12.1 million um, to help close the broadband gap. And it will result in 256 miles of fiber that's going to be going out into the community.
0: Wow. Well, first of all, Catherine, congratulations. Because that that is just amazing. And I love how, you know, you you break it down to the small steps. Like, hey, first one, got a phone call. Second one, we got a map. Okay, let me get some people together. And I think what you just did, you broke down for for so many of our listeners how we can accomplish big things is by doing the little steps along the way. And again, when this is just one of your little projects and to see it come into fruition, catching unicorns. That is something that I think every single listener is capable of. If they're willing to educate themselves, take those steps and and follow through and follow up the two, two, two method, as you mentioned before. Um, I I know there's so much more we could talk about uh, throughout the podcast, but that is our time. I do want to make sure that folks have an uh, an ability to contact you, maybe use some of your coaching services or find out more about some of the work and the projects that you're working on. So how can folks reach you?
1: Thank you. Um, My website is com, And you can also find me on LinkedIn with Catherine Canty.
0: Awesome. And I'll be sure to have those links in the show notes as well for folks to uh, kind of go directly through those links. And, and Catherine, thank you so much for taking the time today to kind of share your story and share your knowledge with our listeners.
1: Thank you so much, Ted. I really appreciate it.
0: Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I do want to recap some of the the tips that you left along the way so our listeners can kind of get the show notes really quick. Results matter. I know a lot of times we're trying to kind of get to a certain goal just look at the results along the way. And as Catherine mentioned too, celebrating the the small wins and also realizing the difference between a mentor and a sponsor. We talk a lot about mentors on this podcast is the first time we actually heard the concept of a sponsor on the podcast. And that is something that's very hugely important for anybody really trying to go up the corporate ladder through the corporate structure. And especially for women too. make sure you have somebody at bat to help open those doors for you along the way. The network you can build in the corporate structure is priceless. Your job is not the enemy. It's actually facilitating your growth and allowing you to provide for yourself, your family, put food on the table while you search for that passion. So don't look at your job as the enemy. Continue to pour into your job. Do the best you can. Build your side hustle. Build your passion. And then respectfully step away, leaving it better than when you found it. And you will be surprised at the benefits that can come afterwards, as Catherine mentioned in her story. And of course, all the little projects letting go sometimes just to find out where the new ideas come from. Just one of the many tips that Catherine left along the way. And I want to make sure I stop I end with the the two 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 method. Two days later, two weeks later. And two months later because a lot can happen in that time span. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Catherine Candy. As always, if you did, make sure you hit that subscribe button or that like button. Share it with a friend that you think can benefit from this podcast. And we'd love to hear from you leave us a rating and let us know how we do. And if you'd like to support the podcast for as little as $1 a month, we have a Patreon page. where We could also hear some extra audio from our listeners. As we always say at the end of the episode, guys, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow. The No Rain, No Rainbows podcast is recorded at Camaraderie, a collective workspace in Greenville, South Carolina, right off the Swamp Rabbit Trail. If you're looking for a place to grow your business, network with other professionals, and establish your own workspace, Camaraderie is the place to do so. Get access to high speed internet, private showers and towel service, free methodical coffee, and free beer on tap. For more details, be sure to head over to camaraderiecowork.com or hit the link in the show notes and find out how you can lock in your space with Rage starting at just $99 a month. Be sure to tell them that Ted sent you and try it out for free. You never know, you just might find a new home at Camaraderie. Let's grow.